Welcome back. It has been a wonderful off season. We are so excited to hear our own voices again. Yes, season two, man. Can you believe we got renewed for another season? It's 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 shocking, really. Thanks to all of our sponsors, both real and made up. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it feels it feels good, uh, dude. I just tell you what, just the fact that we're talking football has me feeling some type of way, as the kids say. Yes, yes, it's amazing. For those of you who have just joined us, uh, we are North and Goal. I am Benji. I live in Alaska. I'm in North Pole, Alaska. Uh, been a BYU fan since day one of my life, maybe day like, actually more like two years or three years old. I remember the season after the national championship season. That's how old I am. I remember the same players oh. watching the highlights. I can remember those early, early childhood memories right after our glorious national championship. So been on board since then. And I'm Jake. I, uh, I'm formerly from Alaska, Went lived there during high school. I'm the mighty Alaskan Ute on Twitter. And that's our connection. We're both Alaskans. We're both fans from the uh, state of Utah. And I have been a fan since 2008. Just kidding. That's what, <laughs> that's what BYU fans think. All the Ute fans came around then. Dude, I sat, I sat on the North End Zone blacktop in the, in the Ronnie Mack years, Max Kids Club, going 2-9, and nine, watching us lose to UTEP. So I've been through the thick and thin, man. And uh, I tell you what, I'm just excited to actually be talking football that's coming up. The, the, we're, we're coming out of the abyss, man. It's time to rock and roll. We are. Almost. I, I mean, we still have a couple weeks. But. My observation, too, as an outsider looking in on the Ute fan base, thinking about those days and now, Utah's helmets have gotten drastically better through the years. Like, subtle changes, but make a world of difference. Dude, we've, we've, I've said this before, we've upped our uni swag to level 1,000. Well, yeah. 1,500 is the, as the recruits are saying nowadays, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it started simple things like just fixing the, fixing the, the um, feathers on the drum and feather, made it look a little nicer, a little cleaner. Then, you know, a little, little richer red color, and boom, all of a sudden we have 20 different helmets and 20 different uniforms, and life's good, man. Yeah, and those, those alternates, those are cool, but even just that basic design, it's like, you know what, There's, it's just, it's clean. It's way cleaner than looking back at those old glory days of BYU beating up on Utah all the time. Utah's helmets, just they weren't that great. They did. The teams weren't great. The helmets weren't great. But like you said, that was leather helmet days. So, mm-hmm. so now that the tide is turned <laughs> and uh, Utah has the upper hand and the, and the upper hand on the helmets too. So, hey, so let's recap a little bit. We never did a recap from last season. So let's kind of tie that up, put yeah. a little neat bow on that. And then we'll, we'll jump into kind of maybe some off season expectations and what we're looking to do. So you ended your season. I'll let you start. You ended your season in the bowl game and Zach Wilson had a pretty strong performance. Yes. Uh, thrilled with it. A record-setting performance. Perfect passing. He he was 100% passing in a bowl game. Uh, amazing. He did everything we could have asked him to do. Uh, it was a wonderful game. The only thing, and this is just this is the painful as a BYU fan in general. We schedule who we can, we get who we can, and we get these quality matchups that from a distance don't look that great. That was not a bad team, and that was not a bad defense that we faced. And and BYU did great, but it's one of those, because it's not a powerhouse name, it's like, oh, yeah, well, it was just them. It was just Western Michigan, you know, and they weren't a bad team. It was I was really happy with the performance. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I mean, you, you got to be – you got to feel good about what you saw out of your quarterback that last game. For you know? sure. I mean, he's a freshman. 
came into his own, looked really good. So end of the season, what was your final record? I can't remember. Eight and six? I think that made it seven and six. It It was six and six in the season, and then that put us over the top, so we're seven and six, which if we go way, way, way back to North and Goal episode one is exactly where my expectations were. I wanted to go six and six through the season, said if Kalani can do that, we're going to work with him. We're going to be patient with him. I will support him. He did just what I wanted him to do. I mean, it would have been nice to be like undefeated, but you know, my expectations were exactly where he hit. The prophet of the great white north, man. That's right. That's awesome. And, you know, I don't recall what my preseason expectations were for Utah, but uh, I think we exceeded what I wanted from what I recall. We finished the regular season 9-3. and three. Then, unfortunately, we had a hiccup in the champion Pac-12 championship game where the most fluky fluke fluke pick six of all freaking time. Dude, I, I go back on this. If you recall, it's 3-3, three to three, yes. and we're driving, and it's the end of the third quarter. It's third down, and Jason Shelley delivers a pretty good pass to the out to the fly, or to the to the sideline, and all number eight has to do is catch it. He catches it. We're in field goal range, right there. He catches it, takes a knee, like he was trying to do. We're in field goal range, and let's just say we don't get any further. We kick the field goal. We're up six three going into the fourth. That's a different game. No, it hits his hands perfectly. All of a sudden, the ball squeals out, bounces off his calf, right up into the air to the Washington DB who had a wide open lane for a touchdown, and that that killed it. Yeah. So. Anyway, flukiest fluke interception of all time. I was right there on that sideline. It happened right in front of me. I said some words there against the honor code. I turned around. I was PO'd. Anyway, lost that game, and then we went into the uh, bowl game against a good Northwestern team and uh, dominated the first half. And then just turnovers, man. It, that shows you turnovers can even any game. It's, I mean, the turning point in the game was, if I recall, it's 20-6. to six. We're driving down. In I think it's maybe twenty one six. It's been too long. We should have done a recap sooner. Yeah, twenty to six. Driving down, Jason Shelley's kind of rolling out at the goal line. He punches that in. We go up twenty seven to six. But no, he gets hit from behind. Ball pops out. They take it back the other way. Twenty to thirteen. They have all the momentum in the world, and they ended up winning it. But you know what? For a team that didn't have our starting running back, our starting quarterback, our starting wide receiver Covey, and a lot and Chase Hansen, we were out quite a bit. Yeah. So, you know, it didn't end how I wanted, but it was it was fun to be the defend to now be the defending Pac-12 South champions, baby. My, That's all I care about from last season. My memories of that game is I love when when life deals us lessons like this. In the first half, I remember someone some BYU fan that I follow was saying something like, "Wow, Northwestern's not as good as BYU," and and that kind of irritated you fans. But watching the first half. It felt like that. And then we got into this discussion. I can't remember who or what was going on, but something about the Battle of the Trenches. And so I did a quick look up on first-half running stats, rushing stats, because to me that's the Battle of the Trenches is who's moving the line of scrimmage in the rushing game. And so I looked at that and I was like, no, 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 check this out. Like, looking just by the numbers, Northwestern is performing inferior to BYU. And all the U fans were like, no way, man, you couldn't hang with them. Utah's just trying harder and this and that. And then the funny thing is it's like we all were proven right in the second half. Or, or proven wrong, whichever way you look at it. We look at that, and afterwards I was like, wow, you know, I, I think Northwestern might be better than BYU. And <laughs> it's funny what angles people will take to defend, because yeah. you, were arguing, you were arguing that, no, they're, they're yeah, but you're, you're glad that they were better than BYU so they could pull off that win yeah. and beat Utah. That's funny. Do you, do anyway, you guys put, want to put be, a bow on that season? Want to be right and lose the argument or lose the game, yeah. or do you want to be wrong in the argument and destroy Northwest? I mean, it's just it's. I would. Yeah. I would rather want it, and you know what? It was actually a miserable game to be at because it was San Diego. So uh-huh. I was dressing like it was San Diego, 
but it was in the mid-40s, and it was blowing rain the whole game long. And it wasn't just rain coming down. It was like misty, wind-blowing-in-your-face, bone-chilling rain, and all I was wearing was shorts and a polo. And it was just, it was miserable conditions. And it didn't even look, it, it was worse than it looked on TV because I rewatched it when I got home and you could tell it was raining, but it was, it was really bad conditions, which made, I think has contributed to a lot of the turnovers. For sure. But it was a crappy game to be at. It sucked. But end of the day, I look back nine and five. We finally, we finally got that monkey off our back and won the South and we got everybody coming back. That yeah. matters even an ounce. Every single person. So, so uh, rolling into this year. Boom, looking baby. forward. Boom. Yeah. Yep. Do you have expectations for this year? This this record this year? I I do, and I'm a little I'm afraid I'm a I've got them set really high. Okay. That, you know, there's nothing but to be disappointed about. But I look at the reason why. Okay, so so I expect to go ten and two okay. regular season. I expect to to defend the South, and I expect to actually win the Pac-12 title game this time and okay. finish eleven and two. Those here's, two. Here's why. Okay. Okay. These are my expectations. I think the two losses come to someone like two of these four teams, two of USC, Arizona State, Washington, Wazoo. Two of those four, okay. I think, will get us somehow. We just we haven't won in USC yet. They're, they're always super talented, so it doesn't matter if they're crappy or not. They could put it together in one game. So we always, you know, that's always a risk. Washington's coached by the best coach, in my opinion, in the West, one of the top three coaches in America. Wazoo's got a, a crazy offense that – so we have trouble with, and Arizona State just seems to have our number. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so ten and two, win the South, finish eleven and two, uh, and go to the Rose Bowl. And dude, we have everybody back that matters. We have our starting quarterback, senior quarterback, senior running back, senior wide receivers, uh, depth on the wide receiving line, uh, best defensive line we've ever had, best maybe secondary we've ever had. Question marks are the linebackers, but they're plugged in with studs, man. When Bernard was in, he played awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Manny Bowen transfer had over 100 tackles his junior year or his last year at Penn State. He's awesome. So we got the talent there. The offensive line is the only real major question mark, I think. But I think it might be more of something of just unknown versus not enough talent there. You know, we've got we've got bodies. They just got to gel. But, uh, dude, we've got – this is the year we've all been pointing to. When we started a sophomore Tyler Huntley over – returning senior Troy Williams, and we went 7-6 and six that year. The whole thing was, yeah, but they're getting experience. They're getting experience the next two years. And, yes, we took, a, we took a step forward the next year, won nine games, won the South. But this year, you have so many seniors, so much experience coming back, and couple that with the fact that the Pac-12 South, again, isn't as good um, as, as the North. And then the teams we miss in the North are Oregon and Stanford, two of the top three teams. You know, yeah. So it's just lining up. It is lining up. We have seven home games plus the game at BYU. We're in the state eight times out of 12 games. We leave the state four times. And all of our road games are at least 21 days apart. So there's no back-to-back road games. And it's just the schedule could not line up, line up better for us. If we don't win the, the, the championship this year, I don't know if we will. I mean, well, I hate making you know statements like that, declarative like, it's this year or never, you know. But the way it's setting up this year, this is easily by far – our best chance to, to win I, it all. I can see what you're saying because it's certainly cyclical. Like if this group doesn't win it now, it won't be the next group or the one after that. It'll be the next cycle. You know, it'll have to kind of come around to things being favorable for them again. And and so what you're saying, I what I believe is this is Utah's best 
chance that they've had in the past four or five years and likely the next four or five years. Now, you never know what's going to happen beyond that. I mean, after that, I think conference realignment happens again in 2025. And so uh, we're talking about BYU winning the Pac-12 after that or the Pac-14 or whatever we call it. So it's hard to really predict beyond that next cycle. Um, That's true. Interesting that you had tended to, and uh, and those four teams you mentioned. I would you say those four are A, B, C, and D the four toughest, or just that they for whatever reason have your number? They're not necessarily going to be the four hardest teams, but the two losses will come from them. No, I think I think Washington is our toughest game. Yeah, it's at Washington. Chris Peterson's a wizard. He reloads. It's he's proven. It's not. I mean, they lost a lot of guys, but dude. Four, three years ago, they had four first-round NFL draft picks, and the next year, their defense was even better. Yeah. After losing four first-round defensive draft picks, so Washington, they'll be ranked. It's on the road. It's later in the season. Um, I think that one is our, our toughest game for sure. After that, I think you have kind of a next tier of tough games. You have Wazoo, just because. I mean, last year they were expected to go three and nine, and they plugged in Gardner Minshew and. If it wasn't for a fluke snowstorm, they would have won the Pac-12 and you know, and yeah. maybe even gone to the playoffs. So they were awesome. So I expect Leach to be a wizard and have another tough team. So they're on that tier. USC, just because, dude, they they literally have 45, 50, 4, and 5-star guys up and down that roster. Mm-hmm. And even if their coach sucks, they could put it together one game. You know, So they're the next tier. And I think Arizona State, they, they don't have – they lost their quarterback and their stud wide receiver – but I mean, they have a really good running back in Eno Benjamin, mm-hmm. and they're full of talent. And it's down there, I believe. Is it down there? Oh man, I should. I can't believe I should know this. Um, uh, no, y- no Arizona State is at home. No, it's there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so. No, yes, I mean uh, Utah is home. Arizona State is a game Utah has at home. Yes. 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 So, but they, they always seem to have our number, you know, yeah. I mean, we won last year. I think we won two in a row, three in a row, man. I'm, I'm talking about off season rust. This is all the stats. Like I I'm normally gonna jump do. in. Here's what I love about, Eno Benjamin knowing almost nothing about him is he's been talking smack with Ute fans this year. And, and I love, love so much that Utah fans are taking the narrative saying one game doesn't matter. Your overall records. What matters? We've got this, we've got this, we've got this. It's not all about one game. And I'm just in the back clapping. We've we've been BYU bands have been saying that for a while. <laughs> you really are clapping. You were you were you, you read that and you set your phone down and clap. I do. I do a little happy dance. I say <laughs> I feel good about this in my heart. No, I don't really care that much. But it's it's interesting to see the narrative shift uh, when it's convenient. You know, and uh, I'm not I'm not gonna say everyone's right on this side or wrong on that side at this time and at that time. But but it's just kind of nice to see everybody kind of show a little bit of unintentional empathy. You know, hey, here's a team that's got our number. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're better than us year in and year out. They've been better than us. I'll admit that. But you know, sometimes you lose close games. You shouldn't lose. You do. And I know where you're going with this, but I'm not. It's too early to get dragged into this. It's too early. This is and a it's not worth it. Is- the reason I'm daring doing this right now is it's just you. We were just talking earlier about Twitter grow, like when your followers grow. I don't know if you notice this when when you start out as Twitter and you're like a 200 follower kind of tweeter. And I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm condescending. Some fantastic <laughs> tweeters have 200 followers, but when yeah. I had 200 followers, I could be a lot more chirpy. And I'd be falling under people's radars, and it just wouldn't matter. Now, like if you've been around for a long time, and a lot of people follow you, you say one thing that could be misconstrued, and you will be getting mentions for ten hours that you're just sick of, and it's kind of it's a it's a burden sometimes. It's actually that's part of the reason I've I've scaled my game down a bit because sometimes you just, I don't want to deal with this. I cannot tell you how many times I type out a tweet and I'm like uh-huh. think about it, 
Is this worth it? Nope. Delete. You know, because yeah. you're right. I, I'm plus I've built a reputation. I've been around a decade now, I think on Twitter or longer. I don't even know how long is it. Anyway, around a decade, maybe. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's just, I, I had a reputation early on that I was just a, a loud mouth and I lived up to it and I've, I feel like I've matured a little bit over time, mm-hmm. but sometimes I still have that urge to just say stuff to get people upset. But dude, I cannot tell you for every tweet I tweet that's like inflammatory, there's probably nine that I deleted. Yeah. You know? Well, and there's probably like 20 responses you wish you just didn't waste your eyeball time reading, you know? Like I wish I could have just mm-hmm. been staring at my shoes instead of reading that, you know? It's <laughs> and, and I have I have a rule that I, I mean it's a lot of people talk about it that they don't respond to anybody under a hundred followers. Yeah. But sometimes you just get sucked in and you can't help it. And dude, Twitter's like it's like fast food. You know, you do it because you're hungry and you want it, but you there's nothing but regret after. You know? <laughs> yes. After after I get those tweet wars, I just feel gross. I feel just dirty and I feel like, oh, what a waste. Why did I do that? You know? Yeah. And then you yeah. go back and you're deleting tweets. But dude, same type of thing. You get sucked back in. You start getting this football bug. Uh-huh. Some f- person with 40 followers says, uh, Zach Moss wouldn't even start at BYU. And then boom, I'm back in. I'm dragged <laughs> back in. And I, but then I just, uh. yeah, but that's a good, that's a I, really good point though. Zach Moss would not start at BYU. And the number one reason that he's not enrolled and you can't do that. You can't do that. There's rules for that. You yeah. have to go to that school you start for. Yeah, this is not chaos. Agreed. I like I like when you put it that way. That's good. <laughs> Man, Zach Moss. All right, bro. Would so that that's my Roy BYU's opposing teams. I would love to have someone uh, like Zach Moss at BYU. Dude, honestly, I, I was talking to a friend about this. We had a long string. We've had a long string of awesome running backs at Utah, uh-huh. um, but they've all been JC guys, you know, yeah. for a long time, like all the way back to the '90s. JC guy, Jamal Anderson. Uh, uh, Mike Anderson, over and over, JC guy, JC guy. I mean, even John White, Devontae Booker, Joe Williams. J- we haven't had a, a high school kid that's been with us for four years until Zach Moss. Yeah. You know? And the thing about Zach Moss was awesome is he was recruited out of Florida. And I remember he was on a, a trip to Tennessee in the SEC where they offered him a, a scholarship. And on his trip to Tennessee, he was tweeting about how much he loved Utah. Yeah. And I remember thinking, my gosh. Dude, this is a new world. SEC guys from SEC t- country on an SEC trip tweeting about Utah. Yeah. And, dude, so when I when he came here, I was like, I wanted him so bad to be successful, and he's been freaking everything I've wanted. And the thing about him I love is he is a freaking pinball, man. Is He'll go in there, and he will knock dudes over. And he is so fun to watch and so fun to see him just knock dudes over. Yeah. And it's he's, – he's, if he has – See, there's another another rusty moment where I should have known. I think if he has 522 yards this year, he'll break the all-time rushing record all-time. at Utah. That, so basically, he stays healthy. He's got it. Yeah, that does not surprise me. And that's why I do have a little bit of Zach Moss envy is BYU classically has had some bruiser running backs. I'm thinking of Harvey Unga, where you just give him the ball and let him just rumble. And right now, we've got Katoa, who's awesome. He's a little more jukey, kind of like a J.J. Luigi type, where he can get some yards, chunks at a time here and there. He's not going to run over any linebackers, though. He's going to have have to run around him and we've got this Darius McFarland who's a freshman who from Brigham City so I'm cheering extra hard for him because he oh, is a box elder is B. he a box elder B he is he oh, is so you know there's dude, some added sweet. motive there but I mean he's just he's a freshman he's unproven I don't know if I don't know if BYU has this year the bruising running back to give it to him and rumble I was looking at the this has to be a mistake because I was looking at the depth chart that's listed on 
ourlads.com. And I think you have to pronounce it our for like our lads. Otherwise, people would be typing in the letter our lads, ourlads.com. That has the depth chart listed. And we've got for a fullback it, listed. Uh, and if you can't trust ourlads.com, who can you trust? That's what I always say. I don't know. We'll you see know? what the lassies think about this. But <laughs> Moroni Laulu Pututau, who a couple years back was leading BYU in receiving yards before his injury. He's listed number one on the depth chart in fullback, and that's that. That just can't be unless he's gone through some transformation. I did a Twitter search, and no one has mentioned that. So, um, come on, our lads, get it together. Uh, great. If I can't trust our lads, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What, what world do we live in? I, okay, so I, that was my expectations for Utah. Yeah. Eleven and two, Rose Bowl. I mean, dude, dude, how stupid does that sound? Like I expect them to go to the Rose Bowl, but you know what? This is the year to do it. Yeah. This is the year to do it. And uh, anyway, so, okay, that's my expectations for Utah. For your your mighty Cougars, what's your expectation? Okay, I'm going to stick with, because I, I said this, uh, for the next three years, or two more years of North and Goal, I'm going to stick with what I said at the beginning of last season. And that is, I want 6-6 six and six this year, at least. I want 7-5 and five the year after that. I want 8-4 and four the year after that. Because if what we're all saying about Kalani is true, that he needs his guys, he needs to get his system going, he needs time with that, that should be the expectation. Now, I will admit the flaw in this logic is that BYU's schedules are not consistent from one year to the next, and there can be some variety in how tough that schedule is from year to year. Uh, but I do want to see them finish pre-bowl game with a winning record, you know, be 7-5. and five. So going through game by game, those first four, I want one win. I'm not expecting one win, but I would like one win. Uh, Which one do you want the most? Oh, Utah. I'm not ashamed to say that. It's just been, I mean, if you, like, let's say tacos are not your favorite food, but they're in your top 30% of food, but it's been a decade since you had a taco, you'd probably eat a taco instead of a pizza, even if you like pizza more than tacos. You know, if we'd been trading wins with Utah for the past decade, I'd look at that and say, I want to beat Washington. I want to beat USC. I want to beat Tennessee. And Utah would clearly be fourth if those were easy to come by and it had been just an every other year kind of a thing. Uh, but no, I mean, those those marquee names that we see on there, you know, two Pac-12s and then a SEC, those are kind of a distant uh, second to, to the desire to beat Utah. It's just been so long since I've had a uh, – and this is true. When you live in Alaska and visit Utah, people are talking bad about, like, Cafe Rio on Twitter, and I'm like, you guys are crazy. I only get to eat <laughs> Cafe Rio once a year, and it's a treat. It's fun. Dude, that's what it was when I was in Juno. They just closed the Wendy's, and there's no Wendy's. And I was like, oh, I came back. I'd get my Dave's Classic, you know, because yeah. no Wendy's up there. But I see it. No, and I, I, I see why you feel that way. I agree, dude. It, it's been, I mean, 10 years is a long time. Yeah. But it's even longer when you, like, benchmark it and think about things that have happened. Right. So, I mean, dude, literally, there was no Instagram around yeah. last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is crazy to think about, you know? Uh-huh. That is crazy. And so... I agree. If I were in your shoes, I would want it really, really bad. And that's the thing is, it's got to end sometime, obviously, yeah. right? It's got to end sometime. It, the thing is, the longer it goes on, the more it'll actually hurt when we lose one, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, I'm oh, sure. I just want it to freaking go on. Especially, I was talking to some friends about this, if it happens this year, it will hurt more than anything because of what we're expected to do, you know? Yeah. Because of the team we have coming back. Anyway, sorry to interrupting on All right. It's okay. So you- Listen up, Ute fans. Here's why you're going to be just fine when BYU beats you. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> it, we sure. were talking earlier, looking at Utah's schedule. I'm, I'm switching back and forth looking at the two schedules. And I've got the ESPN FPI in front of me. Have you seen that yet? 
I have. Okay. Utah's favored in 10 of the 12, I believe. They are. They're favored in 10 of the 12, and I've kind of ranked the top four. So Washington, just like you said, is Utah's toughest game. Uh, Utah has a 31.4 chance of winning that game, according to ESPN. Oddly enough, USC is favored to be a loss, and, and I'll get to in a minute why that's odd. Uh, USC is supposed to be Utah. Utah has a 45.1% chance. Everything else they're favored in. UCLA is the next most likely loss, according to ESPN, which you hadn't mentioned. You didn't mention UCLA. Is there something no, I don't we, know we, that ESPN knows? Kick, no. Well, I think ESPN is really living off of the Chip Kelly hype. Okay. You know, he's in his second year. They finished with a couple wins last year, I believe. They beat USC down the down the stretch, but USC sucked last year. Yeah. So I think I think they're going off of okay, it's Chip Kelly's second year. He was a dominant college coach before. He's got some good players in there, and he they showed a little progress. That's the only thing I can think yeah. because they weren't they weren't good last year. I think my prediction by the time you get to there, because that's the third to last game of the season. That's November sixteenth. I will predict that the week before UCLA. Utah is either projected to win like 90% odds or to just be destroyed by them because if you're buying into that Chip Kelly hype, that's an all or nothing. UCLA is either going to have it clicking or he's going to be fired midseason, you know? And so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But as of right now, that's the third most difficult game for Utah, according to ESPN. Fourth most difficult game for Utah, according to ESPN. Any wild guesses? Your your Brigham Young Cougars BYU. based on the buildup. Utah is only projected at a sixty point five percent chance to beat BYU, and I don't feel like that's a fluke. As I look over what BYU is returning, as I look over their offensive line, I'm going to say I'm going to switch my hat. I'm going to pretend I have I actually do have a Utah hat in the basement. Someone mailed me, and I just never threw it away. I thought we'll just we'll find some reason to have it. You're saving it for when they're in the natty, and you can throw it on, man. <laughs> that's I right, like that's it. right. If I, like I put it, on my yeah. Utah hat and pretend I'm a Utah fan. I love the idea of my touted defensive line getting a test against a really good BYU offensive line right out of the gates. That's something that's going to be, if they can hold their own against BYU's offensive line, I don't know if there's anything they'll see the rest of the way that will be very much more difficult than that. BYU is a good team. They've got a good offensive line. They've got a quarterback coming back who, a record-setting quarterback, bowl performance, we'll say that. He's got his confidence. He's had all offseason to mentally be preparing as the starter. Running or Receiver, no one's jumping out at me, but there's a lot of good options. Uh, you know, Talon Shumway, Micah Simon, Gunnar Romney, Oliva Hefo, and even Dax Milne, all of them had successful moments last year where they kind of proved they belong at this level. And I think he's going to have his choice of targets where, you know, if there's a weakness, it's like, I think, well, Katoa, he may pan out. He maybe won't. Uh, but I do think this is a good team that Utah will be facing. And I don't think it's a fluke that they're projected to be the fourth most difficult game of Utah's year. So if, if you happen to lose right off the gate, just, you know, that's great. As a Utah fan, you can say, well, this game doesn't matter, which I'm going to kind of make fun of you because it matters uh, to, you know, in my heart. Oh, good grief. I got a Roomba starting. Hey, for those of you who don't know, we're not professional. I'm recording in my closet, and my, my Roomba vacuum just started. I may just leave that in for fun. Uh, anyway, I, I would say sponsor. you can say. Are they, are they our newest sponsor? Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Send us money, Roomba. Uh, getting back to my point, the BYU game doesn't matter in with regards to Pac-12 standings, and it's a good test. Uh, Utah isn't used to having really tough preseason tests. They usually schedule the cupcake and then sometimes a Michigan, but usually a BYU and then someone else that's pretty easy. So this is a good right out of the gate game for them. 
Yeah, I mean, here's the thing that's that's frustrating. Not frustrating, but just like I, I hate I I hate having this game game one because there's so many unknowns. You know, mm-hmm. with uh, with coming off the off season, who's healthy, who's playing, who's not, who's looking good, who's not. And dude, it could really, really screw Utah's season if they lost this game. Like, you think so? All the hype we have coming, dude. Here's the thing: we have. I mean, we can spin it. Yes, we'll spin it. Doesn't matter because we got the Pac-12 to play for, which is true. But we we've started ranked twice mm-hmm. in the history of our program, twice to start the season. Yeah, and it's just happened twice. And one was like number eighteen, and one was twenty-one. Mm-hmm. There's been dudes, Phil Steele, for example, that have us starting the season preseason number eight. Yeah. You know, some have us 10, 11, 12. It would probably be mid teens, I would guess, is what we come in at. But mm-hmm. we'll have, this will be our highest preseason ranking of all time. The hype coming into the season is almost getting off the charts. Like it's yeah. starting to worry me a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so if we go in the first game, we lose to a division three team we are going to we're screwed do you know what you know Here's the thing though that you talked about everything aligning perfectly for utah this season things are also aligning for that to happen what i'm my little kind of ear to the ground keeping a, a finger on the pulse of twitter out there utah is overlooking byu they have good reason to be excited about themselves <laughs> and it's been so long since you've beat or since you've lost to byu it might feel impossible this is a good BYU team, and the the thing that Utah fans love beating BYU fans up about preseason hype and offseason preseason national champs. Good grief! If you if you're paying attention just this year and you'd never been around before, BYU sold their hype machine to Utah. Utah has the hype machine. Expectations are there, and that comes from having success. You've been successful, and that's great. But with success comes a preseason hype machine that none of us know how to operate. We turn that thing on, and it it just does its own thing, and then we're all mad Two when things. we lose to BYU game one. Two things. I'm going to disagree on a couple points. Two. Well, first of all, the hype machine that we're getting is actually, it's not internal, man. It's coming from like <laughs> Phil Steele and Brett McMurphy and Stuart Mandel. These are guys pumping us up. Yeah. So we like to make fun of you guys for the, oh my gosh, we got a, we got a quarterback that's going to win the Heisman is he completed a pass. That's what we like to make fun of you guys for, <laughs> right? Is the internal hype, right? Yeah. All our hype comes external. And number two is I don't think we overlook BYU. I know you think we, we I know you just said we've got a lot to look forward to. But dude, there's one person on this planet that doesn't like BYU as much as as as, as well me, and that's Kyle Whittingham. Uh-huh. Like he will not have them overlooking BYU this time. Last year, I think they learned their lesson because they did. We had the Pac-12 title game the following week. We were eight and three. We were rolling. Everything looked good, and I think we kind of overlooked you then. I don't think it happens again. I don't think it happens again. Being the first game of the year, being what happened just on our last time we played, I think. Uh, I think we come ready to rock and roll. So if we lose, you legitimately beat us, and there's no excuses. All right. Well, that makes me feel better about the future win that we're about to have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say this, too. If I'm a Utah fan, lose to BYU. You've got Northern Illinois and Idaho State to get your confidence back. USC is then the, the fork in the road for the rest of the season. You beat Agreed. USC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You beat USC. Everything's back on track. You know, and you know the sky is not falling. It's gonna be, my ideal season too, because I'm not. I don't have a heart full of hate for Utah. My ideal season is lose to BYU and then go do some awesome thing because I would love. I would love just forever to see in the trophy room at Utah. You know, the 2019 Utah Utes. Look at this and have a little one. You know, 
we we finished 13 <laughs> and 1 and be like yeah yeah that one that's us dude that would be crazy that would be crazy but all right so yeah so what okay so your expectations 7 and 5 you said 7 and 5 yeah so um three losses out of the first four games and and that's what i'm expecting those are four all four expected to be losses from uh, ESPN. Everything else is expected to be a win. Uh, we kind of break it down into the same thing with you, three tiers. So those that upper <laughs> tier, Utah, Tennessee, USC, Washington. Middle tier, we've got Toledo, South Florida, Boise State, Utah State, and San Diego State. So five of those that are essentially coin toss. Now, BYU is favored in all of those in the 50s and 60s. Actually, no, Utah State Man, they've been relegated to bottom tier, which I don't get because they've got they've got talent coming back. Utah State, I don't think you can sleep on them. But BYU has a uh, the only teams that BYU should beat harder and more thoroughly than Utah State are Liberty, Idaho State, and UMass. Our fourth easiest game, me. our fourth easiest game is Utah State, according to ESPN. Where is that being played? Is that in Logan? Uh, yeah, that's in Logan. Dude, there's no way they have a stud quarterback. They do, Jordan Love. And you can, and, and you know, a lot of people. I don't, I don't know where to rank these guys. I, I'm biased, but I mean, a lot of people have him as the best quarterback in the state. Well, and Gary Anderson um, returning. None of us are happy about that. And Gary Anderson's, yeah, Gary Anderson's back. He's the one that resurrected that program altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, they have talent, so I can't. I don't, I don't know about that. That yeah. really, that's that's surprising, me, especially for being in Logan. But like I said earlier, I think on Twitter this week, the one sport where home field advantage matters the least is college football. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, college basketball is huge, um, but college football it doesn't matter as much, and so you can win on the road. You can, I mean, I look at Utah. Utah, a couple years ago, 2015, we were like eight. I mean, eight in a row on the road or something, something crazy. So that yeah, I really got to work on my stats. I'm, I'm, a, I'm. No, I'm that's you're rusty. doing great. <laughs> that that brings us back full circle to why I said the USC projections were interesting. BYU has a 45.4% chance of beating USC. BYU is more likely to beat Utah than they are to beat USC. Yet, Utah is projected to lose to USC. So then that just has to do with home field. So you have, have, what's your your FPI against USC? USC, BYU is projected 45.4% to beat USC. Utah is projected 45.1% to beat USC. So oh, really? it's like it's like USC is equal to both of us. Now you've got them in uh Compton, wherever they are. Where are they? They are in um gosh. We'll just They're say Compton. In, uh, I th- I know it's close to Compton. It's not. It's 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 uh South Central. South Central. Oh man, I just Dude, watched I, I I just watched LA ninety two on Netflix. There. You get off the freeway there and it's Dude, you take a wrong turn immediately. It's barred windows everywhere, graffiti everywhere. Yeah, it's by the old LA Sports Center that's right next to it. it used to be. Now they've turned it, I think, into a soccer stadium of some sort. I think. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's a crappy part of town. It's a rough neighborhood. Dude, they got they got talent, man. That's what I'm saying. But by the time that game against BYU arrives, USC is either going to be, I don't know, favored big because yeah. they'll either be three and zero or one and two, and they'll give up already. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I feel like FPI is maybe putting a little too much into the uh, home field advantage. Okay, and, and then getting back to that, uh, so obviously Liberty, Idaho State, UMass, very absolute worst-case scenario, BYU has three wins and it's those three teams. And and if that's the case, they're gonna they're burning the program down. It's, it's not going to be that. They have to get 
I'm expected to win most of Toledo, South Florida, Boise State, Utah State, and San Diego State, who I, I see those as all kind of, you know, they're upper G5s. Uh, they're, they are G5, but they're no slouch. You know, they're in the highest percentage. Toledo's another one that reminds me of Western Michigan where they've been having a lot of success, but you hear the name and from far away you say, it's Toledo, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not anything to write home about. Um, yeah. But yeah. And, so and again, obviously the the, the e- great equalizer is injuries. Things could change based on your quarterback goes down. Something yeah. you know. I mean, things could. But we, of course, we're not predicting that. So we're all we're assuming both teams stay healthy the entire year, and that's our our basis based off this. Who? So did we get any? Uh, did we get any um, Twitter questions from our? Oh our yeah. Let me refresh our viewers. I've given our viewers several minutes. Like a half an hour to respond. We do not have any. I'm going to hurry and write my own question to myself on Twitter. <laughs> Let's see. This is from at Alaskuton. Oh, I like your name. And oh, wow. What a cool Avi you have. Did you take that picture of you in a kayak in Northern Lights? That's awesome. All right. At Alaskuton asks. Oh, man. I took so long doing that. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, come on. What was it? I was oh, okay. I will close. say. No, no. It's on the. Oh, man. It's on the tip of my brain. And then it keeps going away. Okay, I got a, qu- oh, a question. Just it's came back. In from it's back. My- it's back. Okay. Okay. The difference between the rivalry game being played at the end of the season and the beginning of the season. Which one favors Utah more and why? Uh, I think the beginning of the season. Um, screw it. They both favor us. We haven't <laughs> lost you guys in a decade, bro. Just kidding. Oh, um, that's a good response. I, think I, would prefer, I would prefer the beginning of the season, but I'd prefer game two or three. Okay. Because, like I said, the first game creeps me out. But I mean, I know we talked. We talked. A lot of has been made about injuries last year from the BYU side. Their linebacker goes out. Blah blah blah. But same deal, dude. We had our backup quarterback. Yeah. We had no Zach Moss. We had an an ailing um, Chase Hansen. He still played, but he was ailing. I, I think at full strength that bodes well better for us because we have a little. We have better top end talent, and so I would rather play the beginning of the year at full strength. Then at the end of the year. Yeah. Isn't it amazing the, the, the perceptions we get? Because I'd been seeing the same thing from Utah fans of saying, well, yeah, congratulations. You almost beat our backup quarterback and running back and you still lost. When it's like, dude, it was the same boat for all of us. Like we had a converted linebacker and a running back. And it, yeah, Zach was not our, he was our number one quarterback at the time. But when you don't start the season as a projected starter, that's still a backup quarterback, you know, whether it's psychological, physical, whatever reasons, you know, and there's, BYU had plenty of injuries to go around, and that is why I got I got a spoiler alert for you, Benji. Yes, spoiler alert. All right, spoil away. All fans of all teams will take the talking point that makes them look better. Yeah, it's true. You know, it just is what it is. You will spin it to make your team look better, regardless of who you cheer for. Yeah, and who you are. It's just the way it is. It's that way in politics. Yeah, it's that way in life, man. It is. I mean, that's how I got married. I had to spin it, you know, to trick, <laughs> trick my wife into marrying me. So. You're like, no, 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 no. That's a, that's a good smell, or whatever was her concern <laughs> that you had to overcome. I'm just imagining you trying to convince her on a date. Like, no, 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 stick with yeah. me. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, and I love – that's kind of my um, – renegade like my mission on twitter is to point out when people are double speaking and this and that and i'm sure people hate me for it that it's super annoying you're good at that no you do you do a good job of that i just i just want consistency i do it i know i do it i do it yeah i do it i mean dude it's just it's not real life man it's twitter it's sports here's here's Mm -hmm. why i like byu week one 
no doubt in my mind that Utah's threes and fours are superior to BYU's threes and fours. That's what being in a Power Five conference does for you. You can recruit people who show up and they have the mentality, yes, I could go to Utah State and start right away, or I could go to Utah, put in my time, and maybe start as a junior. And so you've got good talent waiting in the wings where an independent program that should be in the P5 or a G5 program, they don't have great talent waiting in the wings. Waiting in the wings, they have people who say, wow, I can walk on. In fact, did you know I was going to walk on? I was a Utah State Aggie, and I was all set to walk on my senior year, and I had a knee surgery that just sidelined. Otherwise, you know, we'd be having other people talk about my NFL career on their podcasts. Yeah, dude, you'd be a freaking Hall of Famer right now. Your pod, well, maybe, dude, we'd have maybe we'd sell the same podcast, but we'd have hundreds of thousands of followers because you're an NFL player. That would be awesome. Um, But yeah, you get that's that's what you have at the G five level, and at BYU being somewhere in between. And and I'll say BYU's twos and threes are somewhere in between. I don't think they're quite the slouches that you'll get at you know UTEP or Utah State or San Diego State. They're they're a little bit you know head and shoulders above as far as uh. Uh, their rankings and everything, and someone can maybe verify if I'm just making this up as I go or if there's accuracy to that. But the the quality and the rankings of the twos and threes throughout, they favor Utah. And so that being said, with the game being at the end of the season, when you expect five or six starters on week one to not be starters on week 12, uh, I think BYU's got an advantage compared to if it were week 12. I see. So you're saying that you don't feel like you're going to – You've got a better advantage over us because of this, but you have a better advantage now than if you would at the end of the season. It's your better chance now. Think about it in basketball. In basketball, you've only got five players on the court at any given time. The the talent of those in basketball, you're going to have people go to where they can play. You know, no one wants to be like I'm option number twelve on a really really good basketball team because there's just not enough. There's one ball, you know, five people, and so basketball it's a lot more evened out because those five guys versus those five guys, it's it's just more evenly spread. So I feel like the ones versus the ones favor the team that recruits less well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense. I can see your logic in that. Okay. So we're, we're, we're at 40 minutes now. We said we'd like to keep this around that. So let's we'll do one last question each. Yeah. And then we'll, 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 we'll break. Um, name one player you expect to have just a breakout awesome year that nobody's talking about from BYU and I'll name one from Utah. That nobody is talking about. Yeah. That's just like, I mean, he's, people know who he is maybe. Yeah. Maybe he's, I mean, he's been, he was on the roster, but he didn't produce last year someone who at the end of the year okay that guy's gonna be a, that guy's a star now and he wasn't to start the year. so it can't be zach wilson because everybody's talking about him and and i'm i'm kind of right there with him i don't think we're being unreasonable i'm very high on zach wilson i think he's gonna have a great year so it's not gonna be him uh gunner romney i'm gonna say his progression from his freshman to his sophomore year uh we're gonna see we're gonna see him have a breakout year i will i'll predict right now that he will emerge as the number one target, he'll have he'll lead the team in receiving yards, and uh, people yeah, he's he's going to get some uh, headlines. Okay, gotcha, good. I'm going to go in the same position for Utah. I'm going to go a guy that redshirted last year. Okay, he was a freshman the year before, redshirted last year, but played the last couple games because that new cool rule where you could play a few games in a yeah. year. Brian Thompson, wide receiver from California, I believe. He's six three. He's super athletic. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He had offers from Oregon and other top-tier Pac-12 schools. Came to Utah. He's the type of receiver we need to emerge because we got Covey, who's sure-handed, who can do all the inside little, you know, little swing passes and 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 things like that. 
Um, but we need a big, tall receiver that can lock it down on the outside, and I think he can be that guy. So Brian Thompson is my choice, who's going to emerge this year as a top threat. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was teetering between him and another receiver named Solomon Enos, who I think is going to be awesome also. But as I've as I've read more of, like, like what Hans Olsen was saying and some other guys, that Brian Thompson's looked really, really good, and he pl- he looks the part, man. He looks like an NFL receiver. Big, long, athletic, strong. So I'm yeah. going to go with him, Brian Thompson. All right. Cool. Um, okay, now it's my turn to ask the question. Yes. What is – your coping strategy for the most heartbreaking loss you're going to face this upcoming year. Do you already have that planned out? Have you found something in the past to be successful to help you either get over the loss faster or distract your brain or just get you mentally somewhere that's in a more healthy place? No, nothing works. As <laughs> evidenced by last year, we lost to Washington and we recorded our podcast on Sunday morning <laughs> at two in the morning because I was so angry. Did that help? Um, and there will be, dude. I- no, it didn't. It made it me didn't? just angry. Okay. Nothing's going to help. There's nothing. The first loss, whenever it happens, is the hardest, and it will happen, and it'll be upsetting. What I've tried to do is I delete Twitter, try <laughs> to stay off Twitter, because that just exacerbates the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I try to like focus more on my scripture study and my reading, gospel study, and that helps. But the truth is, the only thing that helps is getting back on the field and getting a win. Yeah. You know, the next week. Like, there's nothing that makes me feel better. And it's embarrassing to say, as a 39 year old man, grown, grown a man with kids and a profession and responsibilities, you know, that I take this crap so seriously. But I do, man. I live it. I, I live and breathe freaking college football. Everything else. In the every other sport is just to pass the time to me for me until football starts. I like running youth basketball, although they suck lately. I still like it. I go to the games. I like the jazz. I love Donovan Mitchell, but nothing else comes close to me to hitting that high as a college football. You know? Yeah. I tell people and I use this and every every time I speak in Sacramento in a new ward, I say there's three things I'm super passionate about in my life my family, my faith, and my football. And it's all rolled up in one little burrito. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, I mean that, dude. I mean that college football is my number one passion. Some people like music. Some people follow our bands and go on the road to their concerts. Some people learn to theater and they love musicals. Some people love movies. That's great. We all have our different passions. For me, it is college football number one. And this is what I think about all offseason, all year. I mean, dude, I have friends that I literally text on a daily basis, year-round, about college football. Yeah. So it's my favorite thing. And con- so conversely, dude, it's when, when the losses happen, I take it serious, and I can't help it. I respect. I can't help it. I respect the passion. Uh, somebody I talk to regularly that's uh, not uh, affiliated with BYU – uh, works there and, and has connections and everything. You've mentioned the Utah Jazz. They were talking about this team that has been put together over the past couple of years with the Utah Jazz saying, it's incredible how these are good guys. They're staying out of trouble. They're fun. They're funny. They get along. People like them. And they're winning. And he said, that's exactly what BYU tries to do and can't. like if BYU could just suck some of that essence of Utah jazz and say, we're going to be good human beings. We're going to stay out of trouble and we're going to win. That's exactly what BYU wants to do. And, and so I'm just, I'm saying uh, hats off to that, the passion with that one thing, because lately I've found myself 
putting more of my sports sports emotion into the Utah Jazz because holy cow, things are looking up for the Jazz, hey, and I, I love, love the that. Jazz. Look, hey, I got, I got my Spider Mitchell jersey right here. He's got a Mitchell jersey. That's him. awesome. I love him, but the fact is, nothing compares to college football to me, man. Yeah, yeah. When those cannons burst and they run out of the the. the tunnel and they got the flags and the utah fight song is playing dude it's almost a spiritual experience for me yeah. i just freaking love it so yeah so i take it too serious okay so That's what's awesome. your coping what answer your own question what's your coping mechanism it, it, it's easy for me uh we've we've been dealing with so many heartbreaking losses that i'm numb that <laughs> it's uh it's you go into it expecting everything to fall apart and and even i mean from the vegas bowl where it was just like an unbelievably like numbing experience of watching that first quarter of just saying, you know, I think I might just not ever turn on a TV again in my life because it was just so just, it was relentless to then last year in the rivalry game. I mean, you remember how that played out? My, my son wanted to light fireworks at halftime and I was like, you know what? We're probably going to lose this game. So let's go celebrate. And we lit fireworks at halftime. And I said, I'm going to enjoy this moment because this moment feels good. And sure enough, we lost the game. And so it's, you just, Dude, you, that was like, the, that was like the anti Vegas bowl. It was like the opposite. <laughs> All the points came in the last quarter. It was yeah. crazy. But, but I've, uh, it's easy. And so I will just say what I like to do, especially um, these early September, October games before the ice has shown up on the lake where I'm I'm like west of the west coast I'm in a different time zone and all the games are over by eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night like even the late late night games are over I'll jump in the kayak and there's been multiple times last year that I'd watch football all day I'd get in the kayak and kayak out to this island in the middle of this most beautiful lake and watch the aurora borealis from this island you know if you can do that there is like almost nothing in life you can't get over because it's just such a transformative experience being alone in nature with this mesmerizing display above you. So that works for me early season. I, I can reset myself mentally just boom, just like that. Cool. That's awesome. I wish I had something like that. You know, I should. I yeah. should find something like that, but I, dude, I just can't. Dude, just fly up here and watch football with me. Fly up for a weekend. We'll watch football all Saturday, and then we'll go hang out under the lights. <laughs> Record Here's live the from the island. Fly me up on your dental jet that you have, your... <laughs> Your North Pole dental jet. I'm still building that. All right, that. man, let's wrap this up. We'll. Uh, I'm not sure when our next episode will be. Sometime, I'm guessing, once camp starts. Yeah. There's nothing else to talk about. Give us a few weeks. You know, this tweet still is not getting any responses and questions. So by the time we record again, people will have started responding to this. It's it's actually late in Utah right now. Everybody's asleep, so uh, that makes yeah, sense. I, I, got, I had a meeting. I had, that's why we were recording so late. I had to, yeah. I had to go to. So. Gotcha. All right, brother. Well, let's uh, let's sign off for now. We will see you guys in a couple weeks when camp starts. Go Utes. Go Cougars.